I'm Donnie Dipple with CHB Consulting, LaGrange, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again loaded up and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a Texan is at the helm of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In making sure your bulls are ready for breeding season, body condition scores are an important thing to evaluate. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The impact of interest rates on farming and ranching operations in the new year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. We're already into the new year and it's time to think about changes we might want to do for our landscape that makes it more functional and maybe more beautiful. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about the new year landscaping in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol has a new executive director who was on hand at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences last week in Fort Worth. Darren Abney is from Lubbock, and he's been on the job for a few months now. I'm just about six months into the role now. I live in Lubbock, Texas myself, so I have been surrounded with and working in cotton for many, many years. My professional experience has really been working with retailers and brands on their sustainable sourcing strategies for the last 15 or so years. And I'm excited to come to the protocol because we're at an exciting point of uh, maturation where the organization is really growing. We've established a three-year baseline now of operation, and there's a lot of exciting things happening. And with three years of operation, the protocol is stronger than ever. Yeah, we work with the entire cotton supply chain. So we take membership from growers all the way up to retailers and brands. And I think the first year the protocol had just over 300 or so growers. As of this season, we're now over 970 growers participating in the program, which means we have roughly 1.7 million acres of cotton lint that are entering the program. The retailers and brands that are participating in the program, we have 40 brands now that are signed up as members, not just to say that they support what's happening at the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol, but to actively work with their supply chain to source the cotton, which is important for the growers because that's ultimately what's going to send the demand signals down the supply chain. That's Darren Abney of Lubbock, the new executive director of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. The drought has financially stressed farmers in Texas, Louisiana, and New Mexico. 
According to AgriPulse, a new survey from bankers in the Federal Reserve 11th District shows that low yields have caused farmers to use crop insurance to repay their loans. They say demand for agricultural loans declined in the fourth quarter of 2023 for the eighth consecutive quarter. They say loan renewals and extensions picked up last quarter. According to the survey, the rate of loan repayment declined at the fastest pace since 2019 last quarter. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The American Lamb Board will be holding a grazing workshop in Temple, Texas on May 8th through the 10th. Producers who attend will have an opportunity to learn about the in-depth process of using sheep to provide a grazing service, like keeping the grass low on a solar farm or in vineyards. From animal performance to contracts and business setup, the goal is to provide grazers with the tools to be successful service providers and profitable shepherds. Again, that's May 8th through the 10th. Attendance is limited to 50 producers and registration is $200. Body condition scores are an important part of evaluating bulls. James Hunt has more. Today, we go back to my conversation with Dr. Jennifer Kojal of the Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine. In our previous report, Dr. Kojal talked about breeding soundness exams. Getting those exams done in a timely manner is important. But Dr. Kojal says for a bull to be truly ready for breeding season, overall body condition is also essential. Ideally, a bull would be at a body condition six or seven at the start of breeding season. And the reason we say that is that a bull will often frequently, if he's out there working hard, will lose one to two body condition scores during the breeding season. So we want him to be still in a good plane of body condition scores, so no less than the four. The other caveat to that is we don't want him morbidly obese going into the breeding season over a seven because those bulls often tend to be lazier, want to sit underneath a shade tree instead of going out and breeding cows. So obviously body condition score, very important consideration. What does a rancher need to do to make sure that his bulls are at the right body condition? It's really just evaluating those bulls and seeing what they need. Do they just need a little protein? Do we need to add some energy to that? And it really depends on what kind of forage they're on. Are they on really high quality forage and we don't need to supplement more to that? Or are they on a kind of a poor quality forage as we get into the winter and we do need to supplement that? So it's a lot of visual evaluation and just seeing where we are with the bulls depending on the time of year. More from Dr. Jennifer Kojal on the topic of bull management tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Interest rates have added to the cost of doing business. Tom Nicoletti looks at what we can expect rates to do in 2024. Many factors will influence 2024 agricultural production in Texas, including interest rates. Here is Dr. Darren Hudson with Texas Tech University's Department of Agricultural and Applied Economics. We're not at, by any means, historically high interest rates, but those interest rates are elevated relative to where they were. We're talking about 
eight, nine percent operating loans in some cases. And so that presents a challenge in terms of the operating expense. But it also, because of those higher interest rates, tends to elevate the value of the U.S. dollar, which then puts downward pressure on those commodity prices. So the interest rates kind of hit us from both directions, one on the, on the production cost side and one on the revenue side. Hopefully, we're sort of at the peak. Uh, you know, if you look at where the inflation rate is at this moment, what the Fed action has been, hopefully we're sort of at the peak of, of those interest rates and maybe start to turn down in 2024. But for right now, we're, we're certainly at levels that we haven't seen for decades. How do those interest rates impact young farmers who are uh, either just starting out in the business of raising crops uh, or just in their first few years of farming? Unless I'm inheriting land or inheriting a business, most of those young farmers are operating much more on borrowed capital than they are on equity. And because they're operating on that borrowed capital, they're borrowing for land, they're borrowing for equipment, they're borrowing for operating notes, those interest rates hit their production costs a lot harder than a much more established producer who's had you know time to build equity, is operating off their own income as opposed to borrowed capital as much. And so those interest rates hit them a lot lighter than they would. That is Dr. Darren Hudson with Texas Tech University. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Now is the time to plan your landscape for the coming year. Horticulturalist John Begno has more from San Angelo. Well, here we are starting a new year in 2024, and one of the things we do is reflect on 2023, and many sources are calling it one of the hottest, and some sources are calling for 2024 to be the new hottest year, so who knows? But there's some things that we can tweak maybe in our landscape that might make this coming year a little better year for gardening. First of all, safety. Make sure that you don't have trees that have limbs that are overhanging property that might cause personal injury or property damage or whatever. And now is a great time to address those factors. And if you had plants that really suffered because of heat, and dry for most of Texas, you might want to consider removing them. A good example is here, we're at the beginning of the West in San Angelo, and crepe myrtle struggle in years like last year, and a lot of them don't look very good, and who knows, they may not be worth keeping. That's one of the reasons why over in El Paso, there are not very many crepe myrtles, and you get over to East Texas, around Houston and Dallas, there are many of them because of the weather. So take the time to remove some of those. Great time to prune so you have better light. If you've got uh, grass that you want to grow that keeps things a little cooler in the summertime, then you'll want to do a little pruning, open those things up. Remember that equipment might be something to consider about. If you have lawnmowers that are hard to start or you want to switch to electric or you might want new different kinds of chainsaws or lightweight stuff as we age, those are changes that we make in our landscaping maintenance program that can help us. And then last of all, construction. It may be that your deck is in a a situation where it's so extremely hot in the summertime, you can't use it that you might want to construct pergolas change shades because shade patterns of trees change as they age just to improve it so that some of this property and it's your property or your your home can be more utilized if conditions continue to be exceptionally warm and dry so enjoy the new year and enjoy gardening because it's one of the healthiest events that you can have or do or perform in your life it keeps you young and you can enjoy your landscape so this coming year make some changes to enjoy a little more This is John Bagno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. In Texas, more captive deer than free-ranging deer are tested for chronic wasting disease. From Jessica Dole-Mullendahl, I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
and there are some new techniques to diagnose dental disease in horses. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are some new techniques that will help veterinarians diagnose dental disease in horses. Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at some of those new methods. Although x-rays are a popular method of diagnosing dental disease, there are some new methods that are even more helpful. Dr. Robert Barrett indicates in the horse publication that computed tomography, or a CT scan, is available for horses, and this technology greatly enhances the ability to diagnose dental and sinus pathology. Most CT now requires anesthesia, but it is believed that there will be increased access to standing CT, which is safer for everyone and less expensive. Another new tool is oral endoscopy, in which your veterinarian places an instrument with a camera into the mouth that allows us to take video and still images of the horse's oral cavity. This allows the veterinarian to examine each tooth thoroughly looking for disease, and both video and CT of the head may be indicated prior to extracting a tooth. Also, the improvement in sedation and analgesia can allow most dental procedures to be performed in the standing horse without general anesthesia. There are also some new instruments that allow vets to perform extractions easier with fewer major surgeries, which was the only option up until these new technologies became available. There is a condition in horses called EOTRH, and the condition is painful to the horse, causes the teeth to be resorbed, and the secondary infection is present. There is no treatment for this condition, and since the disease is progressive, extraction of the affected teeth is the only option. It is difficult to diagnose these cases early as the disease shows up on x-rays before it shows up by looking at the teeth. So some horses have this painful disease, and we don't know it until x-rays are taken of the teeth. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. More captive deer than free-range deer are tested for chronic wasting disease here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the story on CWD Surveillance. As we told you on our last show, one of the ways the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department works to curb the spread of chronic wasting disease is surveillance of captive and free-ranging deer. At a recent meeting of the Parks and Wildlife Commission, some people questioned the ratio of captive to free-ranging deer that are tested. Here's Dr. Chris Seabury, Associate Professor of Genomics at the Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences. We test about a third of 1% of the wild deer in Texas. We test 30 to 40% of the breeder deer in Texas in some form or fashion every year. There's an order of magnitude difference in the testing intensity, at least by 100-fold. Dr. J. Hunter-Reed, TPWD Wildlife Veterinarian, explains the department's surveillance efforts. On the face of it, 
17,500 tests for a population of five plus million free ranging deer is not the same degree of testing as 32,000 tests for a population of 80,000 plus captive deer in Texas. And I don't disagree. This is because Texas utilizes a risk-based surveillance system, one utilized widely by animal health professionals around the world for the management of regulatory diseases. In this approach, the populations at highest likelihood for exposure and greatest potential for adverse consequences following exposure are more intensively tested. For free-ranging populations, the risk of exposure is lower compared to captive populations, with disease introductions most likely originating from local movements and dispersals in addition to improper disposal of carcass parts. The consequences of these exposures are still important, with the detection of CWD resulting in the formation of CWD zones with local mandatory testing and movement restrictions. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It is time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle futures traded both sides of unchanged on Tuesday. When we closed out, live cattle were mostly higher, feeder cattle were mixed. February live cattle up 82 cents, closing at 170.77. April up 57, 173.60, with June live cattle up 40 cents, 170.75. Feeder cattle mixed, the two nearby contracts lower, while the deferred contracts were higher. January feeders down 10 cents, 223.77. March down 20, 224.87, with April feeder cattle up 25 cents, 230.35. Cash fed cattle trade still quiet for the week, but this is a bit different week. Of course, we've got this big winter storm moving all across the plains. Got some of that in the Texas panhandle as well. We've seen where plants, both here in Texas and up in Kansas, have lost some slaughter capacity by canceling shifts this week. So we'll see what effect that has on the fed cattle demand. Boxed beef was higher on Tuesday. Choice up $1.96 at $280.79. Select up $330, $262.66. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest is Jody Fry, producers in Cargill, San Angelo. Sales every Thursday. Jody, how did it go? Right at 800 head today. Calling these better quality kids in Yearlings, mostly steady. Instances three to five dollars higher on these choice light to medium weight heifer calves. Slaughter cows two to four dollars lower. Instances as much as six dollars lower on some of those thinner flesh cows. A limited numbers of replacement type cows sold about steady. Better quality steers four to six hundred pounds from two dollars all the way up to a high of near two eighty five. Mostly two twenty to two fifty. Six to eight hundred pound steers. One 175 to a high of 250, mostly 190 to 225. Heifers, 4 to 600 pounds, 185 to a high of near 265, mostly 210 to 230. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding, 71 to 85. 
some of the highest yielding slaughter cows, 86 to 96. Several of those thinner or lower yielding type cows from 55 to 70. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 85 to a dollar. A few of those highest yielding slaughter bulls from 101 all the way up to a high of 117. Bred cows and two-year-olds, just a few singles and small groups of those medium to heavy bred from 900 to a high of 1175. What do you think about the sales next week? Oh, we're setting on go for that sheep and goat sale. I had numerous calls from the buyers, uh, people, and the sellers as far as that goes. Uh, they're ready. Uh, I expect at least five to 6,000 head and look for a really good market. Good. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. Expecting several cattle next Thursday as well, Larry. I'd say at least 12 to 1,400, uh, weather permitting. Call us there at the office, 325 653 My mobile phone's 234-7895. Neighbor, that was Jody Fry, producers in Cargyle. They sell in San Angelo on Thursday. I'm Larry Marble. I do walk in the pens every Monday through Friday right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening right this second on Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher on Tuesday. February hogs up $1.27, 7187. April hogs up 97 cents at 78.50. Class 3 milk was higher. January milk up 9, 15, 23, 100 weight, while February milk was up 26 cents at an even $16, 100. Higher close in the cotton market on Tuesday, despite the negative factors of continued producer selling and a higher U.S. dollar. March cotton up another 31 points, closing at 80.73 cents. May cotton up 31 at 81.80, while new crop December was up 11 at 79.45. The corn market bounced back after hitting life of contract lows on Monday. March corn up four and a quarter, 459 and a quarter. May corn up four cents, 471 and a half, with September up three and three quarters, 485 and three quarters. Double digit gains in the wheat complex on Tuesday. March Kansas City wheat up 11 and three quarters, 627 a bushel. New crop July up 11 and a half at 634 and a quarter. Same thing on the soft wheat in Chicago. March up 13 and three quarters at 610 a bushel. New crop July up 13, 630 and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 21 cents at 319. February West Texas crude up $1.40. 72.17 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Tuesday afternoon. The Dow down 157, 37,525. The Nasdaq up 13 at 14,857. The S&P down 7, 4,756. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.